0: I'm Karl Coleman. I am Kevin Johnson. I'm Cassidy Hall, and we are Encountering Silence. Encountering Silence is made possible by listeners like you. Please visit www.patreon.com slash Encountering Silence that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash silence, to learn more about how you can be a part of the circle and share in our efforts to bring silence into our all-too-noisy world. While I was at Catholic Theological Union in Chicago at the conference Disappear from View, Thomas Merton 50 Years Later and Beyond, a conference commemorating the 50th anniversary of his death, I also had the honor of sitting down with Richard Rohr in his hotel lobby for about an hour. This being my first face-to-face meeting with Richard, my nerves got the best of me. I was baffled and extremely unprepared, so I proceeded to talk about none other than Thomas Merton, since he was the keynote speaker later that evening, and I was on a panel the following day. But here's what you won't hear. You won't hear the normalcy of the moment, two unassuming humans sitting face-to-face, stripped of their facades and engaging in one another's humanity. You won't hear the intimacy of our conversation two days after this, when I had the pleasure of giving my new friend, Richard, a ride to the airport. There, we talked about everything from childhood nicknames to the many ways the church has harmed and continues to harm the LGBTQ community. You won't hear Richard expressing his sadness for those that feel rejected in this realm. You won't hear his pride he has for those of us who are trying to change things. But you only won't hear these things because the recorder wasn't on. You only won't hear this because sometimes greater intimacy happens in the silent places. Sometimes true connection happens only when the electronics are off. Sometimes we only really see one another when we quiet our inner and outer selves. While pulling up to the airport departures, Richard asked if I had his little book titled Just This. He had been carrying around a copy and offered to give it to me. A gift from Richard Rohr? Yes, please! From this little book, I'd like to open the podcast with a piece titled, Making Space for More. To be truly conscious, we must step back from our compulsive identification with our unquestioned attachment to our isolated selves, the primary illusion. Pure consciousness is never just me, trapped inside myself. Rather, it is an observing of me from a distance, from the viewing platform kindly offered by God. See Romans 8.16 which we call the indwelling spirit. Then we see with eyes much larger and other than our own. Most of us do not understand this awareness because we are totally identified with our own passing thoughts, feelings, and compulsive patterns of perception. We have no proper distance from ourselves, which ironically would allow us to see a radical connectedness with everything else. Such radical connectedness is holiness. Holiness. Some degree of detachment is absolutely necessary to get started spiritually. Detachment, 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 said Meister Eckhart. Letting go is basically making space for more and for all otherness inside of my small self. Jesus made this point by his very opening line in his first sermon. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Matthew 5, three. We do not live in a culture that appreciates letting go or poverty of spirit. We are consumers and capitalists by training and habit. Yet, just as the trinity, all in must be preceded by a necessary self-emptying, or there is never room in the end. Welcome to Encountering Silence. So, here we are in Chicago for the 50th anniversary of Thomas Burton's death in Thailand, where he died, Yes. Um, but we find ourselves in Chicago, and here I am with a uh, mm-hmm. return guest, Richard Rourke, and uh, welcome. I'm, I'm. It's so nice to meet you in person, Very Richard. Very
1: happy to be with you. Thank you. Yeah. Glad it could work out.
0: Yeah, yeah. likewise, mm-hmm. likewise. Um, and it's really nice, because we're actually overlooking uh, Lake yes, Michigan right now. Lake
1: Michigan, isn't that beautiful? Yeah,
0: we can yeah. see the, the hum of traffic go by, but, you know... But, yeah, so I just wanted to talk a little bit about just kind of an update on your world, what you're working oh. on right now. and Oh,
1: okay. Yeah. Where do I start? I have such a wonderful <laughs> staff back in New Mexico. Mm. They multiply what I do tenfold. Mm. And uh, so probably people think I'm doing more than I am. But the new Universal Christ book just, uh, I don't know if you got the yes. explosion of uh, two days ago... Uh, that's the book I just finished Okay. And I think from my side It's the book I've been waiting all my life to write Because mm. in many ways It it includes the themes Of all of my earlier books And puts it together inside of the Christ mystery Yeah. So uh, I'm excited about it It won't come out till March uh, I've finished But these publishers take months To do all <laughs> that they have to do I don't know what yeah. it is And uh, the center, we have, I almost hate to say, we have 46 people on the staff.
0: Wow.
1: (laughs) And most of them are millennials. They're just creative young people like you. They're so creative. They just, I don't know, they're so different than my generation. (laughs) I have to believe that somehow there is a collective unconscious. And I'm seeing it in this, what we call generically the millennials People, especially in their 30s, they seem to have started where we ended,
0: mm-hmm. and they
1: just absorbed it. I know that's an oversimplification, but uh, they absorbed and overcame a lot of the conflicts that my generation is still fighting, like racism and homophobia and sexism. they, yeah. they just—it's. I don't have time for that. It, it, right. It's as if they're saying, you know.
0: Yeah, you know, one thing I always. Whenever someone tells me they're not creative, though, I think that, you know, it's not about, if, for instance, my dad, right? My dad, he, um, he and my mom run a garage door and fence business and walk-in doors and just, you know, very, you know, hardworking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's something that is so always creative about life because there's so much creativity in the way we love people. And the way mm-hmm. we serve people, well
1: put. and I well think put.
0: so. I always, I always try to correct my parents when they say they're not creative, <laughs> for, you know, because it's, I think they, they have a service towards... It, yeah,
1: it's a different kind of creativity. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah,
0: and it's, you know, it's just maybe different the way mm-hmm. that this generation is carrying that forward. Yeah, I mean, that's so. a
1: fair way to put it, really. Yeah. But it still inspires me mm-hmm. <laughs> that they're. They don't waste time on the dualistic issues that my generation wasted time on. Yeah. And never got beyond because they never got beyond the dualistic mind, you know, the racism and all of the rest, you know.
0: Right, right. So, um, in terms of your relationship to Merton and this whole Mm -hmm. event, uh, what's... Well, I'll be
1: talking about it a bit tonight so you can gather whatever you want from that. Sure. You know, I only saw him once... But, uh, you know, starting in high school, I began reading him. Yeah. So like so many people, his writing just just struck at such a deep and intelligent and spiritual level all at once. Yeah. And there just aren't a lot of people who do that, you know? Right. So, uh, yeah, he would be right at the top of my list of my great teachers.
0: In your work, I mean, your work has touched... A vast, <laughs> he's rolling his eyes at me, <laughs> uh, a vast array of, of um, denominations and even, you know, cross religions and um, similar to Merton's work, right? It's, it's really brought people together to this common page of humanity um, yeah, I and hope loving so. each other.
1: I sure hope so. Oh. And it still amazes me. What is this? new consensus about spirituality, about religion. It's just tired of the defending forms that were almost always uh, dictated by one period of history. And then you absolutize them, and that's true of every denomination. Yeah. As if this is infinite truth. So, yeah, I've tried as much as I could to teach from what we call the perennial tradition. Those themes that keep recurring, mm-hmm. and that for me is the breadcrumbs of the Holy Spirit that you just keep seeing. It comes again and again and again. That tells me it's got to be true.
0: Has there been anything from that that you've had to let go of that, that stops coming up, that stopped being perennial for you?
1: Well, I would say a lot of what got me off to a good start. You know, I was raised in Kansas roman catholic german farmer family so so much of the incidentals accidentals of catholicism that would have been simply assumed to be absolute truth in the 1940s and 50s and 60s we just see that they're not they're really cultural accretions and very often had little to do with Jesus or the gospel mm, or anything yeah. Jesus really said. Yeah. And every group is coming to this recognition. Even those who thought they were totally biblical or totally Jesus centered were all vil- victims of our own culture. Mm-hmm. And as I say in the new book, you know, you put religion and culture together, culture always wins. Mm. While using the language of religion, you know, yeah, we, we, keep right. the, we keep up the language of religion. But I mean, what's obvious to me, uh, you know, is that American culture dominates in almost all of our Christian denominations. While each thinking we're so different than one another, I'm sad to say most are Americans first. Yeah, right. And I don't know where Christianity really fits in, but it's almost like you shout the Christian language loud, as if to convince yourself. I don't know. <laughs> uh, right. that this is what you really believe when yeah. it, it's sort of obvious you don't and yeah. the politics of this country now sort of makes that evident yeah like never before that the the real imitation of christ the real following of jesus is still a rarity i think yeah that doesn't mean people are bad i'm not saying i don't like them i'm not right. saying but right. it doesn't have much to do with jesus
0: yeah we're obsessed, I think, with with certainty and certitude. Very true, and, yes, um, yes. like you talked about that dualistic stuff yes. that we're trying to move past. That's um right. it seems that people just want to know so badly. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, there's a lot in the in the Zen stuff of unknowing mm-hmm. um, that that really Jesus I mean, Jesus pointed to Jesus would, you know, talk about mind-boggling things like the first will be last and last will be first, you know, to get us to that space of being mind-boggled and letting go. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Certitude is a a poison in America, I think.
1: I, I, yeah. Is it Peter Enns who wrote a book? I think I wrote a blurb on it. Mm. The sin of certitude. I mean, Jesus Mm. never said, thou shalt be right. But here's my analysis of it. It might be too... Historical, but I think after the Enlightenment of the 17th and 18th centuries, when rationalism overtook the West, you know, we Christians of all denominations found ourselves outside of the conversation. Yeah. yeah. We weren't very smart. We weren't scientists. We weren't engineers. Mm-hmm. We weren't rational. We weren't filling Cambridge and Oxford and <laughs> uh, Paris, and so we created our own kind of certitude you know it's the middle of the 19th century that we catholics finally decided the pope had to be infallible we got along 1900 years without an infallible pope (laughs) it's 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 the same decade where in the southern part of the united states we decide that the bible is inerrant i mean that didn't exist augustine would have found that foolish you know uh, you know, and there were four to eight levels of interpretation of any scriptural text. Yeah. So um, it seems to me that we got this lust for certitude, and that's mm-hmm. what I call it, yeah. as a way to have an absolute. So we created the Pope as our absolute. If you came from the Protestant traditions, you created the Bible.
0: Yeah, and yeah. and
1: they've both been roundly. Disproven.
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: As absolute norms. Yeah. They're just not. Right. they just not. I mean, the one I just wrote a book on, What Do We Do With the Bible? And, um, you know, the very fact that we have four gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and almost always they tell the same story in okay. four different ways. Yeah. Now, which one is the inerrant way? Right. We, we were given a structural message right at the beginning the exact words aren't important because Matthew says Jesus said one thing mm-hmm. Mark says mm-hmm. another Luke <laughs> says another and right. John hardly ever says the same thing <laughs> where do we create this myth of the absolute words of Jesus and then of course the whole New Testament's written in Greek a language that Jesus never knew I'm not, I'm not trying to <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. throw out
1: the inspiration of the Bible right. but the level in which we tried to understand inspiration it was really mm. foolish. Yeah. Foolish. Yeah. And now we're paying the price for it because the younger evangelicals, and a lot of them come through our center, they're just throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Mm.
0: And yeah. young
1: Catholics hardly care about the church anymore. Yeah. So we overstated our case and now we're losing the case. Yeah. So it's going to have to be rebuilt on a whole new foundation, uh, which I would call the mystical. Yeah, um, and that's I think the fascination with uh, murder.
0: Our conversation will return after this brief moment of silence. Please take a breath with us and join us for this thirty seconds of silence. You know a lot of the work that you've done and and um father thomas keating yes. have done um is very it reminds me of it's kind of a uncovering of yes. what christianity was we meant hope to so. be
1: yeah and
0: yeah. I, I wonder if you uh were you friends with father thomas oh keating? yes okay. i was
1: just up there with him okay. last august okay yeah. okay, mm-hmm. okay up at um Snowmass. Oh, Snowmass. See, okay. Albuquerque isn't that far. So That's it's an right. easy day's drive, beautiful drive. Okay. Too. Okay. So I went up there a number of times over the years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then he went to St. Joseph's, right? Right That's before That's right. He died. Because
1: the, the infirmary at Little Snowmass Monastery couldn't take care of him. Yeah. And so it was an act of obedience. He wanted to die in the mountains. Yeah. But the uh, abbot said, "No, you must return to Snowmass." Mm. And, I mean, he was but yeah. if he would have had his druthers, he wouldn't have gone back to the East Coast.
0: Yeah. Uh, My friend at Snow Massa, uh, Brother Aaron, he and I, oh, Brother Aaron, Aaron Cotter, he and Aaron. I keep in touch oh, through letter. Yes.
1: I saw him at the memorial service in Denver okay. on screen. We, we live streamed it. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. And yeah. so I saw Aaron right in the front row. Oh. Yeah. yeah.
0: Hmm. Richard, what do you hope your legacy is? You know, so many of us, you know, and even even that thought is such an Americanized thought, yes. isn't it? yeah.
1: Thanks for recognizing that. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, because it's also um, it's almost a thought we want to get away from. Yeah,
1: yeah. Thank you for saying so that.
0: So I apologize for uh, asking No, no, anything.
1: I know where you, you want to go, though. Yeah. You know, I really am, and this is not humility on my part. I'm really a jack of all trades and master of none. God mm. gave me an ability to talk about a whole bunch of things. Yeah. Now, talking about all those things in so many different audiences over almost 50 years now just gave me a confidence that I probably don't deserve on putting them together, these different fields, you know? Okay. Social justice, contemplation, mystical texts, uh, male spirituality, the Enneagram. Uh, mm, that's right, <laughs> I yeah. just... I just became known for so many different things And I mean none of them And I, Am I an expert in I just know enough To be comfortable yeah. With what are the basic texts And the basic message So I don't know I think that's probably what they'll say Jack of all trades and master of none Because mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. that's just true I, I mean I feel Very humbled Being invited to give this keynote tonight yeah uh why do they pick me <laughs> I mean really and I'll just babble on I'm sure but uh, so God's been very good to me'm I'm, I'm extremely grateful of how many people have trusted me to lead them and that's why I don't want to unnecessarily confuse them or mislead them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yet I know what I'm saying is a different vocabulary than yeah most traditional Christians were raised with. But, of course, my conviction is, I hope this doesn't sound prideful, but is that what I'm saying is completely orthodox. Mm. It's just in a different vocabulary, which makes people who don't know the tradition or don't know the sources, they think it's heresy. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) The Franciscans gave me an excellent theological education as well what was within the bounds of orthodoxy you know most people who call themselves traditionalists really don't know the tradition Mm. I don't know I don't know what other way to say it yeah you know uh, uh, protestantism in particular pretends the first 1500 years didn't happen you know yeah I think it began in Mississippi in 1930 (laughs) or something like that I'm being unfair but and then catholics it got all confused with Italian culture, Spanish culture, German culture, yeah, culture wins,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: again and again, and so we had a very inadequate definition of tradition, and Protestants had a very poor hermeneutic for reading the scriptures, yeah so now we're both swimming in a sea of uncertainty, aren't we yeah yeah but you know. What did Jesus say to the rich young man? God alone is good. God alone is absolute truth, <laughs> and our ability to formulate that absolute truth is always humanly limited. Yeah. No exceptions. Yeah. <laughs> My talking too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I suspect that your work, much like Merton's, will. It's. Um, I was talking with Brother Paul Quinnen mm-hmm. this morning about the adaptability of the work and how much it can relate to so many people like we were talking mm-hmm. about your work earlier but I also suspect that you along with Merton would almost prefer your name to dissolve along with your work kind of like a cloud of unknowing writing it's, yeah,
1: <laughs> it's really true it, you know I've, over the years so many people have admired me unduly pedestalized me then they would find which isn't hard to find one of my human faults and i'd I'd fall from the pedestal immediately and other people who've hated me and call me all kind of terrible names uh they hardly ever really know me hardly ever they're they're hating a a, an apparition you know Yeah. yeah so the whole thing of praise and hatred just can't i mean it you can't take it too seriously yeah it doesn't mean anything it's just people's projections transference what they need you to be what they're afraid you are so you're right i would love just to get rid of my persona
0: and it's another it's another um aspect of american culture that we have become obsessed with that you know whether it's the social media stuff or the, yes. you know. Um, yeah, and it, I'm sure it's complex because, you know, even when you do write another book, you, this, there's this thing called promotion, it, yes. and, you know, and like, navigating yeah, that. It's, it's not
1: fair. People send me manuscripts. Mm-hmm. I mean it sincerely. That are better than anything I've written. <laughs> and they can't get them published. Mm. And I, because I've got a name.
0: Yeah.
1: It's just not fair. <laughs> yeah. I don't have any trouble getting published. And these dear little souls hidden away in Tennessee and Kansas yeah. can't get published. Yeah. Because it's all momentum, you know, in so many ways.
0: Right. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Well, with our podcast being about silence, mostly, mm-hmm. is there anything you'd like to share about anything recently about silence in your life or how it's impacted you or or even you know this this the ultimate silence of death and with losing your friend father keating
1: coming close to it myself
0: well you're gonna live forever right
1: (laughs) (laughs) but i I know i've got a few years left but i'm not suffering i i I never expected to live till 75 and a half Mm -hmm. which i am now um You know, I'm lucky enough to live in a little hermitage. I'm close to the Franciscan community, and the center is around the corner. I'm within walking distance of my two major groupings that I belong to, Mm -hmm. Uh, and yet I can go and shut the door. It's a great grace at the end of life. This probably will disappoint musicians, (laughs) Uh, but if I had to choose between even beautiful music and silence. I get sent probably 3 CDs a week from all kind of different sources. Wow. They're just boxes of them. Yeah. You can come out and take a yeah. collection. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give them away to the staff pretty soon. <laughs> and and I don't mean to insult anybody. I mean a lot of these are, you know, created just for me and other people. Yeah. Bono sent me his whole collection recently. Oh, wow. with a lovely poem written on it. Uh, but if I had to choose between music and Silence. I would always choose silence. Hmm. And that's just because by the grace of God, my inner life, my inner awareness has been made real. And it's so entertaining or enlivening and suffering too. It's both darkness and light. But it's such a drama of of grace uh, that I'm just always afraid something else is going to get in the way of it. Yeah. now don't make a, a say to me I have a TV but I, I try, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but I try to just watch very select shows you know nature yeah. shows especially the nature channel I love yeah when I when I feel like I'm almost drinking poison watching the American news the last two and a half years <laughs> uh, yeah. the only way I can get out of the poison is to turn on the nature channel and watch a little Tiger mother protecting her three little cubs, Mm. you know, and that suddenly seems that's real. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. That's real. And to listen to the arguments of Fox News or CNN, for that matter, right? It's just oh, it's like letting darkness in. Yeah, the words mean nothing. Mm. It's just people trying to fool one another. Yeah. Heartbreaking, really heartbreaking, what's happening to our
0: country. I love what um, Henry Nowen said about silence. He's, uh, there's three things, I don't know if I'll remember them all, but one was um, silence protects the fire within, it teaches us to speak, and there was something else hmm. that Makes hmm.
1: maybe teaches us what to listen. What book of his was that in?
0: I want to say it was. Um,
1: you must have read
0: it. Was it in Reaching Out or was it in, I should know yeah, this. That's okay, yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. I just wrote a forward say. to uh, yeah.
1: another book that's coming out of his material. Okay. Uh, yeah. He was a personal friend. So. Oh, was he? Oh, Henry used to come and visit me in Cincinnati. Really? Yeah, yeah. He was a dear soul. Oh. Neurotic as can be. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But he was made to order, to yeah. order, to write The Wounded healer.
0: yeah. Oh my God! Because
1: we're we're all neurotic, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and he just could show it; he didn't hide it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> His book, The Inner Voice of Love, uh, is really Touched powerful you. for me. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, he was a holy man, but holy through brokenness, yes. Not through our old Catholic idea of perfection.
0: Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, I, I will not no, keep. All you. Right. Thank no you fact. so much I for joining I hope that's us. helpful to somebody. Absolutely. But. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Encountering Silence podcast. If you enjoy our ongoing conversations about the beauty of silence and its meaning in our lives, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or at our website, EncounteringSilence.com. You can subscribe to our email list at our website, connect with us on social media, on Twitter at Silence Podcast, or on Facebook at Encountering Silence. And please visit Patreon.com/EncounteringSilence. That's patreon.com slash encounteringsilence. That's patreo ncom slash encountering silence to become a patron of this podcast your financial support will allow us to continue creating new episodes and spreading the message of how vital silence is for social spiritual and physical well-being